tonight, I do want to introduce Steve Ridgell. Steve is uh, an old friend of mine. He's actually a friend of a friend, one of my best friends in college. And Steve worked very closely together at Herald of Truth and have for several years. Uh, he is the director of ministry at Herald of Truth, as well as an elder at the Southern Hills Congregation in Abilene. He has preached at many churches throughout the South, uh, has done a lot of different things throughout the years, taught uh, college classes um, uh, close to campus as well as at, at uh, Southern Hills. And so I'm just going to give it over to Steve and let him talk about aging, something he knows a lot about. <laughs> okay, is this a oh, yeah. I like it. Let's, uh, you know, when, I love Doug. Doug is everything that I wish I was. He is organized. He is competent. He gets technology. He has passion about that. I have a hard time with technology. I mean, it's really kind of sad. They coach me through everything. So if anything goes wrong with anything technological, I didn't do it. It was my wife, Marsha, or Doug. Uh, I, I am glad that my, my wife came tonight. Marsha, raise, raise your hand, dear. Wave at everybody. Yes, I'm glad she's here because I had to talk her into coming. Uh, she said, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I want to go. And I said, but, but if you stay home, you'll just watch television. It's all reruns. And she said, if I come here, you preach. <laughs> Ow. <clears throat> But, but I do appreciate Doug asking me to come. But I, I had to ask. Why, you know, when Doug calls to Steve, here's what he said. We want, I thought what I heard was, we want you to talk about old Christians. And I said, you know, Jerry and Sheila will be offended. But then I realized he didn't mean Jerry and Sheila. He meant about aging stuff. And then I wanted him to tell me why he asked me. And uh, so we're going to talk about you, me, and the old people. I'm the guy that, I, that acts 41. I am 61. I look 81. And so I figure that works out. Fairly well in, in a lot of ways, but uh, it's kind of funny. You know, I, you don't think you're old till you realize that my memory of Mark Abisher is a college kid sitting on a roof with me shingling houses. That's my memory of Mark Abisher. My memory of Jerry Christian is as an outstanding quarterback and first baseman. You're going, no, we're talking about Jerry. Yeah, everybody's looking at you. Yes, I... Yes, in, in his younger days, they called him Golden Arm, and he could throw it three-fourths the length of a football field. And I could run it down then. I can still run down anything he can throw. He can throw from about there to you. And if I, if I fall forward, I can, I can almost get it. So, uh, but, you know, I, I guess getting older is not as funny sometimes because I, I had a little surgery a few weeks ago. It was hernia surgery. Now, after I talked to my doctor and the surgeon, I call that old man surgery because here's all I heard every time I met with any of them. You know, at your age. You know, you can't do the stuff you used to do or these kind of things happen. Wow. Okay. That's kind of tough. And I, I think in my mind, I'm still really young. I, I think, you know, I, 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 I still teach college kids. And then somebody said, how long have you been teaching college kids around Abilene? And I stopped and thought about it. In the 80s, I did a, a college class over at University Church in Abilene. In the 90s, I did a Fellowship for Christian Athletes class at, on ACU campus. In the aughts, I did a thing called HIP over at Southern Hills on Wednesday nights that was a, mostly college kids. And now in the teens, we just decided to do something different on Wednesday nights. They've asked me to come back and, and do that again. 
And I think, hey, ooh, I have been around a long time. But it really sinks in when some college kid comes up and says, hey, I had to come hear you speak because my dad said you were really good when he was here. I'm waiting now for the first one that says, my granddad. And, uh, and that will maybe let me, uh, let me know kind of how things, uh, how things are. You know, it's kind of a, that Ecclesiastes passage, and I'm a, here's the real test of how old you are. If I say, turn, 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 anybody know that song? Hold your hand up if you know that song from the birds. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Boy, we're an old group. Okay, now, you know where that song comes from. The book of Ecclesiastes. That is the book of Ecclesiastes. And there's that phrase in there, a time to be born and a time to die. And all of us are moving from point A to point B. We are. Our parents are. We are. Our kids are. Our grandkids are. Your great-grandkids. We're moving that way. So the question is, the journey in between, and as you make that journey, when people say things like those things to you, you begin to realize maybe you're not as young as you used to be. But I've got to tell you about my hero. Juan Antonio Monroy. Anybody know Juan Monroy? Okay, Juan Antonio Monroy has worked for Herald of Truth uh, since the mid-60s. Now, I, Doug told you I, I'm the director of ministry for Herald of Truth, and I get to go around the world. I'm blessed to preach all over the world. I love talking to people about Jesus. If you don't know what the Herald of Truth does, I'm not here to give you a commercial, but you can sign up for our newsletter. I'll just tell you that. I, I'm just going to just send that around you know, if the sermon's really bad, doodle on it. You'll feel better. I'll think you're signing up the newsletter, and you know, you'll be a, you won't be bored, and that'll be good. But Juan, let me tell you about Juan Antonio. He's been Juan Antonio now. Depending on what day you ask him, is either 84, 85, 86, or 87. I've heard him give all four of those ages in the last year. I told you he worked for Herald Truth since the mid 60s. Right before he turned 80, he was in the states, and he said, "Steve, we have to meet." So we go out to lunch, and he said, Steve, you know I'm almost 80. I said, I, I know one. He said, I, we need to have a, a really frank discussion about my future. So I thought, okay, he, he's fixing to tell me he's through, he wants to retire, this is it. And Juan said, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm almost 80. I said, I, I, I got it, I know. And he said, so I only can sign a 10-year contract. <laughs> Seriously, Juan? He said, yes, because I'm getting older. He said, I want to cut my workload down to three articles a week, one book a year, five radio programs a week, ten international campaigns, and I'm only going to preach once a month at the congregation in Madrid where I'm an elder. And I said, I'm glad you're slowing up, one. <laughs> and uh, we, did, we gave him a ten-year contract. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I love that. In fact, I, Juan, this is Juan's autobiography. Does the church have a library? Doug or Mark? Doug. I'm trying to decide what preacher to give. <laughs> okay, there you go. Put that in the church. Somebody go to the library in a couple of weeks, see if it's there. If not, go to Doug's personal library and just check it out. But that's, that's the story of, of Juan Monroy. And, and I love, let me tell you what I love about Juan. I love guys that don't quit because they're getting older. I love people that are going to carry it through to the end. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing, give you a little perspective on getting older. Imagine your life is a football game. You understand that zero to 15 years is the first quarter. Now think about that a little. Maybe 20. We'll stretch it to 20. Let's say that if you're going to live to be 80. How many in here are past 80? Not look 80, past 80. Wow, I, I want to be you guys. Man, they look better than I do now. 
So let's say 0 to 20 is your first quarter. So about the time you're in college, you're hitting the second quarter. You understand when you hit 40, you're at halftime of your life. Now think about that a minute. So in my case, I'm 61. You understand if I live to be 80, I'm, I'm in the first part of the fourth quarter of my life. Now roll that around. Some of y'all going, I'm in overtime. Yes, you are, and good for you. Gives you a little perspective on where we are and, and what aging really does mean because, see, time doesn't stand still for any of us. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit why we need our older people in the church. We, we do. Go back and read Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 6. Now, I'm, this is, this is the RLTV translation, which I'm very fond of because that's the original loose translation version. But here's what it says about old people in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 6. They can't see, they're shrinking, they can't chew, they can't sleep, they can't be heard, they can't walk, no sex, and then you die. That's not what Ecclesiastes 12 says. Oh yeah, go read it. Yeah, go, go read it. it. It's really pretty fascinating the way he talks about that because your eyes do go bad. Look how many of us are wearing these funny things. Yeah, you have to wear glasses. Strong men stoop. You know, I'm, I never was very tall, but boy, I sure didn't think I'd go backwards as I got older. But, but you do. You lose your teeth. We're not going to ask you to hold them out, but you know, you lose your teeth when you get older. You get up early because you can't sleep. Hmm? Start losing your voice. You get scared of heights. You know how old people are scared of heights? Because they get out here and something, boy, that's kind of towel. I'm going to back up a little bit. Because you get a little unsteady. You know? You start kind of wobbling. I mean, we, we have a ministry at, at Southern Hills called the Pick Up the Old People That Fall Ministry because we, we got them. Because they can't be steady on their feet anymore. Okay, for, with all apologies to every guy who's getting older, Ecclesiastes says this, you lose your sex drive as you get older. Now, everybody says, you sure that's really in the Bible? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, I get, I get so offended when people say the Bible's not a real book about real people in real life. Yeah. Did you just hear that description of old people? Go up to some old people, those of you that are really young, and say, is that really true? And they'll admit to all but one of those. And uh, you can figure out which one they will not admit to. But the rest of them, they'll say, yeah, yeah, it really kind of is. And then the Ecclesiastes writer says, and then you die. So what value are old people to the church? There is a, a great passage of Scripture in Psalms 37 that says, it, it's verse 25, I was young and now I am old. And I've never seen the Lord's people forsaken or their children, the righteous people's children begging bread. Let me, let me tell you what's great about old people in the church and why we need them. They, they have life wisdom and advice. They've been there. They've seen it. I love to go to older people and get their advice. We, our retired elders at Southern Hills are called the Barnabas Group, men that thought they were too old to continue to serve as elders. We go to them for advice about all sorts of things because they, we say, man, we've never seen anything like this. What do we do? Go talk to one of them. They say, oh, yeah, back in 1958, 1848, or whenever they were. And, yeah, we had the same. And they tell us. And they've seen it all. Man, they know. They know what to do. I love their wisdom because they're the ones that are saying, you know what? It's going to be Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was young and now I'm old and God's always taking care of His people. He has never forsaken the righteous. 
Never. And their children don't beg for bread. That, their wisdom's great. They're great prayer warriors. Now, some I, I have old parents. Uh, all four of our parents are still alive. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But I, I tell you what I love about them. Every time we have a crisis with a child or a grandchild or us, we call them. They say we can't do anything except pray. And you know what? What, what do we always say about that? That's the best thing you can do. And what we really mean is, boy, if you can't do any work and you can't do any giving, and okay, at least pray. But you know what? Prayer really is the best thing you can do. You know why I love old people? You can call them and say, would you pray for? And boy, they will do it. They will pray all day, every day, for whatever you ask them to. I love prayer warriors. And I'm going to tell you, great things happen in God's people when people pray. So boy, I love that about older people. And then they're living witnesses. I don't know if you all ever do the... The marriage thing, we have everybody that's married stand up, and then if you've been married less than five years, sit down, less than ten years. And you go to you get up the people that are 50 and 60, and everybody's kind of propping them up, so they've been married 50 and 60 years. But boy, I, we love to do that at church. And I love to see that happen. You want me to tell you why? Because our young people and our young families need to see people that have been married for 60. I, my parents have been married 65, her 68 years. Boy, we, we hold that up to our kids our grandkids, and we tell them, because you know what, in all those years, there have been some tough things. Hadn't all been wonderful. I, we, uh, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary uh, back in May. And it was a few years ago, and we were about, about our 35th anniversary. I heard my wife talking to somebody, and she said, we have had 30 wonderful years. I said, honey, honey, this is embarrassing. We, we've been married 35, and she turned around and said, and 30 of them have been wonderful. But you know what, 30 out of 35 is not bad. See, I also love it when they see the little old couples that are still taking care of each other, still being faithful, still being passionate about their Lord and in love with each other. I love living witnesses. I, I, I love the older people who are dying because that's a living witness to going home. I, I expected the call today. hadn't gotten it yet. One of our men that served as a deacon for 30 years at Southern Hills is dying. I, we, I expect him to go home any day. Last time I visited with him, he said, I'm ready to go. I want to go home. Just I want somebody to take care of Valida, my wife. I said, we, we, she will be taken care of. But I love that. I, I, I love people to go talk about him. I blog about him. I write. We need to celebrate the living witness of our older people. I, my parents, uh, my father-in-law, my dad has, is getting Alzheimer's, and he was my confidant, my advisor for a long time because he served as an elder for a number of years. and Every time I had an elder issue, I'd call my dad. Well, now I call my dad, and, and he says, mm, mm-hmm, well, you've got 40 hogs out in the back pasture that you killed yesterday. You've got to get rid of them. Okay, Dad, I'll get right on that. And then right in the middle of that, he'll say, and by the way, the Lord bless you and keep you. Okay, thanks. But I can't talk to my dad, so you know who I talk to? Marsha's dad. He, he has become my dad. And, and they asked him at Southern Hills to be an elder five or six times. Never would do it. But I tell all the elders, we have no secrets from one guy. I tell my daddy-in-law everything because he's my confidant because he's seen things. He's been there. I love to watch my mom take care of my dad with Alzheimer's. And they pray constantly for my ministry, for our kids and the grandkids. So we need our older people. But <laughs> what does the church do for them? I told you what they do for us. So what do we do for them? What's the church's responsibility to our people that are getting older? Well, I'm going to tell you, 1 Timothy 5.8 is a great passage of Scripture that says anyone who does not take care of his relatives and especially his immediate family 
has renounced the faith and is worse than a non-believer. And then Galatians 6 has a great verse in it that says, Do good to all men, but especially the household of believers. You want me to tell you what that just told us, what we do for our older people? You've got older people in your family. Your ministry, your call from God, your service to God is to take care of your aging parents. That's your ministry. That's your call. And if immediate family won't... Now, if you're not a Christian, okay, you get the pass. But if you're a Christian and you won't take care of your own, Scripture says you're worse than a non-believer. So when people talk about the great ministry, and when somebody says, can you teach Bible class? You say, I can't. I, I just, it's all I can do to take care of my older parents. They ought to say, oh, what a great ministry. I'm glad you're being faithful to God. Because that is a call from God to ministry. If they don't have immediate family, you know who does good for them? We do. We take care of our older saints. So what do they need? Well, sometimes they need physical help. They need a ramp put in. They need handbars. They need somebody to find a walker for them. They need somebody to help hold the door for ten minutes while they come into church. And that, you know what? That's okay. They need physical help. Sometimes they need financial help. Sometimes, man, they just can't make it. They need some help for medicine and food, and and, and we got to do that. Sometimes they need emotional support. Man, they just they're lonely. They can't engage with people anymore. And they, have you ever gone over to an old person's house and four hours later walked out? Wow, well, man, you know. I call my daddy-in-law on the phone. I love him. And I tell my wife, I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to talk to your dad for ten minutes. And, and it does. But they're lonely sometimes. And sometimes they need spiritual care. Let me, I love our older saints. Let me tell you some of the spiritual issues some of our older saints have. Well, Steve, I, I, I wasn't faithful when I was younger. Can God really forgive the mess I made in my life before? And they need that spiritual counsel. Say, oh, yeah. Our God's a great God of forgiveness and grace. And, and sometimes they'll say, do you really think, I mean, I do believe, but am I really going to get there? Is it, what's really on the other side? And they need spiritual counsel and spiritual advice. And we're going to give that, but you also need to know that there's some, just some helpful hints for dealing with old people in the church. One is, I'm going to tell you, please be honest. <laughs> They're not stupid, you know. Be honest. I, I mean, I, I, say to, I, I sit in hospital rooms and say, you, you know the end is near. And you know what they always say? Uh-huh. Yeah, thanks. Everybody else acts like I'm going to get out of here, but I'm not. And I say, yeah, well, maybe God will intervene, but you know, if He doesn't, you know, well, you, you know, be honest, you really can't do that anymore. Uh, I've got a group of, of, of close elder friends who's, uh, my, I think my wife will tell me, but I've got a group of close friends, you know what their job is? To tell me when I shouldn't be up here preaching anymore. You know, their job, in fact, I always tell them, listen, when the, co- when the college kids are out there and they're not looking up their Scripture, they're texting, tell me it's time to give it up. So, and, and that's one of their jobs is to be honest enough with me to say, Steve, you're a great guy, but you know, when you got up there and said Judas was the greatest preacher that ever lived, probably it's time to hang it up. You're getting a little confused. Okay. They, they need respect. We, we stand on the shoulders of giants spiritually. There, there are people that you don't even remember here who, who spiritually built this community of faith. And we need to respect them for what they have done. We need to honor them for what they have done. We need to prioritize our older saints. You can't just say, yeah, somebody will get around to it. I mean, that ought to be a high priority. You ought to say, who are the people that can't get here anymore that we need to go have communion with? Not take communion to. My theology, go have communion with. There's, it's fine to go serve them. 
Boy, there's nothing as sweet as sitting down with a senior saint who can't go to church and sharing communion together and asking them to tell you about their conversion, about their spiritual journey. But put a priority on it. Take some energy. They can wear you out. Take some time. You've got to commit some time if you're going to deal with your older saints. It just Some things don't get solved. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it takes money. Because the stuff they need and what has to be done, so you need to do that. And that is a great ministry. I, I had my wife wave. Uh, Mimi. Mimi's ministry. Now, she's taught Bible class for years. She hangs out with me. Which, uh, I'm going to tell you a great lesson about how to, how to evangelize people. You talk to somebody and they want to know more about Jesus and you say things like this. Can, can I tell you a story about Jesus? Can we tell some Jesus stories? Yeah. Okay, why don't you come over to my house Tuesday night. Man, we'll feed you and we'll talk Jesus stories. When the doorbell rings, that's not the time to tell you why. By the way, we've got people coming over here for supper. I don't want to tell you how I know that. Just trust me on this. And really then to play the guilt card. But we're trying to convert them, so, you know, slap some beans on. And she slaps her eye, but it's typically not the beans. But, you know, she does a lot of stuff for us. You know what her ministry is right now? That's her mom and dad at the heart doctor on the same day. That you, boy, I, cut, I barely got your mom on there. Don't tell her. She, she spends an inordinate amount of time taking care of our parents. Uh, my, mine live four hours away from us, but she spends hours on the phone with my mom coaching her through the Alzheimer's stuff, talking to her so she has a, another voice to talk to. She spends hours taking care of her parents. It, it's uh, remarkable. And then she's where many of you are. She's caught in that sandwich generation. Because the other happy picture is a... Our five grandkids and her. I don't know. They cut me out of all the That gap by her used to be me. I don't know. I don't quite get that anymore. But, you know, that, that's her ministry. Now, she still teaches a lot of stuff. We still do a lot of stuff. But I need to recognize, she needs to recognize that is her call and her ministry. But let me tell you one thing that doesn't change. I don't care how old you are. Since my youth, O oh God, you have taught me And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. As we get older, lots of us have known Jesus for a long, long time. Some of us came to faith late. My granddaddy was 81 when I baptized him. I baptized a number of people past 80 into Christ. It is sweet, sweet, sweet. But lots of us have known Jesus as we were young. And and I I take very seriously our task to declare the power of God in this world. But as we get older, I love that prayer. I love that prayer. Even when I get old and gray, don't leave me because I have something to do. I want to declare your power to the generations to come. The greatest legacy in your life will not be what you accomplish professionally. It won't. It won't be the the will that you, the money you leave in a will, the property you leave. That will not. Your greatest legacy will be the people that grew up under you, the people that came behind you. Will they know the power of God? Because you lived it, you told it, you witnessed to them. When people come over and say, you know, we're kind of Every youth group I've ever known goes to see the old people. I, I, I dread the day that the youth director calls me and says, hey, some of the kids want to come over and see some old people. You and Marsha home? I'm sure that will happen. I just 
after I fire him, I'm an elder. I, well, no, I'm kidding. I wouldn't. Well, maybe. But you know what we're trying to coach our older people to do? When the young people come over, don't tell them about how tough it was growing up and how you had to walk uphill in the snow two miles each way to school. Tell them how you became a Christian. Tell them your marriage story. Tell them how God delivered you from sickness sometimes. Tell them the powerful things you saw God do in a community of faith when you couldn't make the budget. Or Tell them the story of somebody you led to Jesus. Or Tell them the faith stories because the greatest legacy you will leave your kids is for them to know Jesus. And you know what you want for your grandkids? More than anything. It's not how successful they are academically. It's not how good an athlete they are. It's not who they marry even. It's will they know Jesus. And trust me on this, those of you that are lots younger than me, the older you get, the more you will realize, I don't care about anything except one thing. Will my legacy be faith to my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids? Because really past that, I don't care. I don't care if they go to school. I don't care what they do for a living. I'm not saying that's not important. I just None of that matters if they don't know Jesus. That's all. And, and in this church, will the legacy of faith that those of you that are older are passing down to, to those that are younger? Will, will there be a legacy of faith? Because you have said, let us tell you the power of God. And in our world, will our world know faith because we have said, let me tell you the power of God. In fact, you know... <laughs> Okay, I don't, know how many, I don't know how many paid preachers there are in this room, so I'm going to be real careful with you guys. But you know the longest passage about paid ministers in the Scripture is about widows over 60 in 1 Timothy 5. Go look it up. There's a whole description of what they do and what the qualifications are and how you enroll them. And apparently they are supported. And wow. Widows over 60. We, as you all do, we have a lot of groups that go out on missions. We would like every one of our members to go on a short-term mission at least within a couple of years. We hadn't quite got there, but lots of our people go to places. We just blessed a group, sent them out. They just got back that went to Africa and worked in Mathari in a, with a bunch of young people doing kind of a vacation Bible school and feeding them peanut butter sandwiches. It was led by a 75-year-old woman whose husband was an elder at Southern Hills for 30 years, and she took her Bible class on this mission trip Three-fourths of the 15 people that went were over 70. How cool is that? Is that, not just the, is that just not the best? Man, I want them to meet Juan and Roy and just they could change the world for Jesus. It's, I love that kind of stuff. Isaiah 46 is a great passage. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Okay. There's not very many old people in here. But for those of you that think you're a little closer than you used to be to it, sometimes it is a little scary. You know, when I was young and I got up and couldn't remember a Bible verse, I thought, <laughs> how weird is that? Now if I forget a Bible verse, it's, oh my, I have Alzheimer's. You know, I do have some Alzheimer's, I think, but I'm not sure I've got all of it yet. First time you start to step down something, you miss a step, you think, boy, I'm a great athlete, caught my balance. Now I step down the porch and I hope I don't roll all the way to the street. I used to run competitively. And then I jogged for a long time, now I waddle. 
and think I'm going fast. You know, it's, it's when the two people talking, just walking past me when I'm sprinting. To the, that kind of bothers me. But, but you know, sometimes it is a little scary, isn't it? Who's going to take care of me when I get old? What if I can't take care of myself? What if they want to move me out of my house? What if, what if, what if I get incontinent? What, what if I, I, I do start losing my mind? What if, what if, what if, what if I? And it's a little frightening. Please hear this verse. Even when we get old and our hair turns gray, God's going to sustain us. You understand God made you. He knows you. He has cared for you all of your life. And He will care for you till the end. He will. And you will be faithful to the end. You see, time's different for God than it is for us. But, but please hear this. None of us are getting younger. The football game clock is ticking. You're older today than you were yesterday. And it's not going to get, you're not going backwards, trust me. So what, but please hear this. What you do now will determine what you will be when you're old. And I know that because of another one of my heroes in the faith. Caleb is the role model out of the Bible for old people. Now, you understand when the people of Israel got to the promised land and they took it, there were two old, old, old men that went in. Joshua and Caleb. And when they went in, they were 40 years older than any of the other guys that went in. Because all their contemporaries died when they were wandering around in the wilderness. So you've got all these people going in and two old guys, one leading them in Caleb. And they go in and they, and they take the promised land. They say, Caleb, you have been faithful all of your life. What do you want? And do you... A long time ago when they first got ready to take the promised land and they wouldn't do it and they said, these people, and they named the people and said, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. When they got in the promised land, they said, Caleb, what do, you, what do you want to do? He said, give me this hill, this mountain. Because, and then he named those people and said, because some of them still live on that mountain. He said, I will drive them out. Said, You're 80 years old, Caleb. Don't you think you ought to, how about a rocking chair, kind of look out over the River Jordan and you know we'll come by and, Remind you who you are and everything will be great. And you know what? He went to the, and guess what he did? Drove them out. How cool is that? But, but you know why he was the only one of two old guys there? Because when God led his people out of, the promise, out of Egypt to the promised land, they went through the Red Sea and did all those great things. They get there and God said, Give me 12 leaders. Each one of the 12, give me 12 leaders. And you go into this land God has given us. And we think they were supposed to come in and come back and give a report on whether they could take the land. That wasn't their commission. You know what their commission was? You go in and look at this land so you can come back and tell us how great what we're fixing to do is. Your, their job was not to say, can we do it? Their job was to come back and say, you guys aren't going to believe this. We have seen, and this is going to be great. God's going to give it to us, man. This is going to be fantastic. And, but, but they came back and they said, wow, man, we were there. And, yeah, it's a great land. It is. I mean, it's... Looks like it's flowing milk and honey, which that never really inspired me a whole. The honey's pretty cool, but still, this is going to be great. But you know what? We look like these men are giants. We look like grasshoppers. We can't do this. Well, is this a majority report? Yes, it is. It's not unanimous, but the vote was ten to two to not do what God told them He would do for them. You understand? That's what happened. They went to the promised land. God said, "I give it to you." And ten leaders came back and said, no, we can't do that. That wasn't your job to say, well, your job is to come back and say, look how great what God's giving us. 
And they came back and said, we can't. And you know who the two guys were? Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. When he was 40 years old, he was saying, you know, here's what we can do. And when he was 80 years old, you know what he was saying? I followed the Lord when I was 40. Now, actually, by the time they got in, he's 85. I'm still strong today. I'm still ready to fight. Give me the hill country, and I'll drive out the enemy with God's help. You understand what he really said? Same thing I said 45 years ago. Man, I, I love Caleb. I love a man who stayed faithful all that time. All his contemporaries were dead. Let me tell you what old people will tell you. Don't wait. Satan's favorite tool is the I'll get around to it tool. Because we get real confused with what our mission and our purpose is in life. See, there are people when they're young think their mission and purpose in life is to get an education. And when I get out of school, I'll do some great things for the Lord. Well, i got to go to college. and A lot of college kids think their purpose in life is to go get a college degree. Wasn't what God called them to do. So they say, I'll, do, I'll get around to the God stuff when I get out. Of, I mean, I'll go to church, and I, but the real mission in life is to be a living witness for God in this world. Well, I'll, I'll do that when I get out of college. Well, I mean, I've got to get married and start my family. So when I get married, because, you know, I mean, a single person, i got to, you know, I, but I'll get married and I'll have kids, and then I'll be really faithful for the Lord. Well, man, I'm so busy with kids, but when my kids grow up, man, then I'm going to be a. I, then I'm going to do some great things for Jesus. You just watch. We, I, I got to get to retirement. Just a few more years. I mean, the kids are out, but I, I can set my retirement. and I'll be secure. And then I'm going to do great things for the Lord. And I finally retire. But you know, I just need a little time to kind of relax, unwind, kind of enjoy things. And we'll file by your casket and say, one of these days you'll get around to it. So it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 85. You know what your mission is? From when I was young to when I'm old, I will declare the power of the Lord to the next generation. Don't forsake me till I can do that. That's your call. That's your mission. It doesn't matter how old you are. We are here to let this world know that our God lives. He is real. He had a son named Jesus that died for the sins of the world and He makes all the difference in our lives. Now, you're... Your purpose isn't to make a living. It's not to get an education. Your purpose is to be the hands, feet, eyes, mouth of Jesus in this world. And He may put you in a workplace because somebody there needs to know Jesus. He may put you in a neighborhood because somebody there needs to know Jesus. He may put you in a nursing home because somebody there needs to know Jesus. Some of the most powerful witnessing we do is gathering in hospital rooms to do anointings and prayers over people. We show up for our old people. I, I love to hear our old people tell nurses, you know, I'm, I'm dying, but it's going to be okay because I'm going to heaven. I love that. And that is our call. So the real question for all of us really becomes, so what are you doing to make sure the power of God is taught to the generations coming behind you? And we are, we are begging those of you that are younger and haven't even started your families yet, Man, your, your task is still to share Jesus with the people coming behind you. And those of you that are young parents, I'm telling you, your real task, the greatest call you have in your life 
is to give Jesus to your kids. I mean, that's it. That's the, that is the essence of your call. And for those of you whose kids are grown, oh, I'm telling you, be, be that witness to your grandkids. Be that witness to the young people in this community of faith. Show them faithful Christian living. Pave the way for them. Be that prayer partner. That way. And those of you that think, man, I'm too old to do much of anything else, uh, you keep being Jesus in front of those of us coming behind. Because you are our inspiration. I, I look to my daddy-in-law. If I get Alzheimer's, I want to be as gracious as my daddy is. I, if God's calling our life is for my wife to be a living witness of faithfulness by taking care of me when I'm a blooming idiot, more of a blooming idiot, get it. Okay, I, I want her to be faithful in that and people to see that if I can preach like Juan Monroy till I'm 85, man, uh, if you're still doing this in 20 years, call me again. Love to come do it again. Hope I can. Because till the day I die, I will declare the power of our God. And to the day you die, you declare by your life and by your words the power of our God. And if you're killed in a car wreck tonight, you go out being faithful to the power of our God to resurrect you and take you home. And if you live to be 95 and die in church leading the closing prayer, you die declaring the power of of our God because He has been faithful to you all of your life and He will see you home someday and we will all live together forever. Thank you for letting me share with you the power of your God will carry you.